these folks who have been worshipping and praying and reading the Bible and even fasting, they're getting frustrated with God. I mean, we're doing all these things, God, and why aren't you answering our prayer? And why has all this trouble then come upon our country? They feel that God has let them down, and they want to know why. Welcome to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you've joined us. And Colin, I'm going to guess that if we asked for a show of hands, many people would have to raise their hands and admit that they feel this way even today. Yep. I think it's a besetting sin of those who really try to serve the Lord best. Hmm. You know, you give yourself to serving the Lord, you extend yourself, you make sacrifices, then something happens in your life that is not as you would want it to be. The ministry that you thought was going to absolutely fly doesn't. And, yeah. and you say, well, now, God, why have you allowed this? And it's almost this feeling of a contract that if I do certain things for God, he owes me. He owes me if I'm a good parent that my children will follow after Christ. And, sure. and so forth and so on. He owes me. And uh, that's a dreadful position to be in, in relation to God, because that's not the relationship we have with him at all. The relationship we have is a relationship in which we trust him as our loving heavenly father, and we offer ourselves to him in response to his unlimited giving of himself to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. And we see that in our message today. I hope you'll uh, open your Bible and Join us in Isaiah chapter 58 as we begin Restore Justice. Here's Pastor Colin. Now, I want us to see today the big picture of how knowing Jesus Christ makes a difference not only to your personal life, but makes a difference to the community, to the nation, and even to the world. We're coming to this prayer restore my soul. We're crying to God, many of us. I hope all of us, Lord, do a new thing in my life. And when there is a fresh movement of the Holy Spirit in an individual or across a church, it begins in the heart. It begins, as we've seen, with the renewing of faith and joy and repentance a fresh movement of the Holy Spirit begins in the heart, but what I want us to see today is it does not end in the heart. It begins there, but it does not end there. It breaks out into the life and into the lives of other people. And uh, Isaiah gives us a marvelous snapshot of this, the transforming power of Jesus Christ when he moves within his people, how it touches the community and how it touches the world. And let me just give you the three snapshots so you know where we're going because we're trying to cover two whole chapters today. First in chapter 58, we're going to see the church and a snapshot of God's people ignoring justice, just turning a blind eye to the needs of other people. That's the first snapshot. God's people ignoring justice. Then, then secondly, we're going to have a snapshot of a culture, and I think you'll recognize it very quickly, a culture that is losing justice. And then thirdly, we're going to have a marvelous picture of Jesus Christ coming to bring justice from chapter 59. So, that's where we're going. Hope you have your Bible open. Let's begin then with this picture of God's people and calling this the church ignoring justice. Now, God says to Isaiah, the beginning of chapter 58, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sin. So, what is in this chapter is a word to God's own people. Now, that means, therefore, that I have to apply it to myself. 
we have to apply it to us. Chapter 58 is God speaking not to the unbelieving world, but to the believing people of God, and that is why I've called it the church ignoring justice. Notice what God says about His own people, and I want you to see if you think this might appropriately describe the church, the evangelical church in America today. God's people in Isaiah's time were very diligent about their personal relationship with God. In particular, they were very regular in regard to worship and Bible study. Verse 2, day after day, they seek me out, God says. That's worship. And they seem eager to know my ways. How do you know God's ways? Through the Word. So, Word and worship were a regular part of the fabric of these religious people. So was prayer and fasting. Verse 2, they ask me, well, asking God is prayer, right? They ask me for just decisions, and they seem eager for God to come near them. So there's prayer. And verse 3, they say, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? So to get the picture then, believers in Isaiah's day, it would seem were serious about worship, about the Word, about prayer, and even about fasting. And yet, for all that religious devotion, evidently bad things were happening to these people. Trouble had come to their nation, and God isn't answering their prayers. And so, what you find is that these folks who have been worshiping and praying and reading the Bible and even fasting, they're getting frustrated with God. I mean, we're doing all these things, God, and why aren't you answering our prayer? And why has all this trouble then come upon our country? They feel that God has let them down and they want to know why. So, in verse 3, you've got a complaint that God's people are making against Him. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? You see what's happening here? God's people are saying, look, we're doing the right things. We're worshiping, and we're reading the Bible, and we're praying, and we are even fasting. And uh, why are you not being responsive to us then when we're bringing these prayers? They feel that God owes them. They feel that God is under an obligation to them in the light of everything that they have been doing for Him. Hasn't He seen their devotion and all that's happening in the church? Well, yes, God has seen all that's happening among His people, and He sends the prophet Isaiah to tell them that He is not particularly impressed. Verse 3, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers, and your fasting ends up with quarreling and with strife. Now, you see the point here. There is a community of believing people who are very regular in worship and Bible study and praying and fasting, but actually in the workplace environment and in their relationships, they are not noticeably different from other people who do not believe and do not worship and do not read the Bible and do not pray and do not fast. In other words, the character of the faith of these people in Isaiah's day was pretty much a private piety that left them as self-centered as if they had not known God at all. The faith of many in Isaiah's day was a kind of religious glaze that was painted over a fundamentally self-centered life. 
And so God says, the second half of verse 4, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So, God is evidently looking for something different from His people, and He lays out what it is in verse 6 and 7. Isn't this the kind of fast that I've chosen, He says? Is it not to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with those who are hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Now, if you want one word to describe what God is speaking about here, I think that that word would be justice, because that's what justice is. It's not only integrity and trustworthiness and truthfulness. It is doing right. It is loving your neighbor as yourself. It is caring about the plight of others as if it were your own. Now, do you see what God then is saying here? You have been to worship, He's saying. You've been reading the Bible. You have been praying, and some of you have even been fasting, and I've seen all that. But here God says is my question. Have you shared your food with someone who's hungry? Have you done something to help a person who has no home? What are you doing with regards to children who need clothing? Now, this isn't a sort of isolated shot in the middle of an Old Testament prophecy. You see it all through the Scriptures. Let me give you some examples from the first letter of John. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, John says this, if anyone has material possessions and he sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? You have what it takes to meet the need of a brother and no pity within your own heart. Where's the love of God in that? Or 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, anyone who does not love his brother who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And perhaps most devastating of all, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, John lays this out as a distinguishing mark of a real Christian. He says, how do we know who the children of God really are? And how do we distinguish the true children of God from the children of the devil? Strong language. He says this, well, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, and nor is anyone who does not love his brother. In other words, if you do not love your brother, if you have no compassion within your heart for other people who are in need, then there is, John is saying, no real reason to believe that you actually know the love and compassion of Jesus Christ in your own heart at all. You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Restore Justice. We're going to get back to the message in just a moment, so I hope you'll stay with us. If you ever miss a program, you can always listen on the go. Grab the Open the Bible app at your app store. And that's a great way to listen to both the daily program and our weekend broadcast. So again, look for the Open the Bible app at the app store, or you can listen online when you come to our website, openthebible.org. If you joined us a little bit late, we're in the book of Isaiah, looking at chapters 58 and 59 today. Let's get back to the message. 
Here's Pastor Colin. So you see the big picture here. That's what I want us to get. We're crying out to the Lord, restore my soul. I want a fresher, deeper walk with you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know more of you in my life. And we're seeing from Isaiah that that begins in the heart. It begins with faith and joy and repentance, but it cannot end in the heart. It leads us here to the cry of our hearts this morning, the cry of Isaiah's heart, Lord, restore justice. Restore this heart among your people, this passion that regards the plight of others as if it were our own. Now, notice for your encouragement what happens when God's people catch a new passion for this kind of justice. If you look at verse 8 and the first half of verse 9 that were read earlier, notice there how the word then comes three times, indicating the consequence of a new passion for justice, a new compassion for the needs of others. Verse 8 then your light will break forth as the dawn, your healing will quickly appear. Then, when? When? Well, the when is verse 7 that comes before, isn't it? When you share your food with the hungry. The second half of verse 8, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. When will that happen? Well, verse 7 gives the answer. When you provide the wanderer with shelter, this will be your experience. Verse 9, then you will call upon the Lord and the Lord will answer. You will cry out for help and He will say, here am I. When will that happen? The answer is in verse 7. When you see the naked and you clothe Him. So here's the, the question, the challenge, and the invitation for us. You want spiritual renewal. You want a deeper felt knowledge of the presence of Christ within your life. Isaiah says, here's what to pursue. Reading on verse 9, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and with malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and He will satisfy your needs as in a sun-scorched land. Now, these are God's words through Isaiah to a community of believing people 700 years before the time of Jesus Christ. My question, rhetorical question, do you think that this speaks to evangelical Christians in America today? Could it be that God sees our worship in the vast numbers of people attending church in this country today, and our Bible studies in our multiplicity of programs and our prayer, and maybe even though it would be to a lesser extent, our fasting? But could it be that He would ask the question of us, what are you doing about the poor, the hungry, the oppressed? and the stranger? Could it be that He is asking of His own people in the 21st century, do you really care about those who are so desperately oppressed? I think this was focused for me 
Sometimes you have one of these aha moments. I was speaking to a guy in his early 20s who had been around church world for some while. And sadly, I hope this was not his last decision, but he had decided to reject Christianity. And he gave me this reasoning. He said, you know, I came to the conclusion that it is just too selfish to be true. And when he explained what he meant by that, his experience had been along these lines, that the Christians he had known and mixed with over a number of years had given evidence, really, that their lives seemed to be essentially about themselves. That the church of which he was a part had been characteristically about us and what we want and what's good for those who are already here, our own members. That the God that they seemed to believe in in that church seemed to exist to make that group of people healthy and wealthy and comfortable and happy, and their salvation that was being spoken about seemed to amount to them not suffering in hell, but the plight of others didn't seem even to be on their radar screen. So he said, this is too selfish to be true. Now, you see, I think that that's precisely what God is speaking about here. That kind of personal piety that is just a religious glaze over a fundamentally selfish life is not the reality of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. So here's the first snapshot. It's a powerfully challenging one, I think, to my heart and I hope to all of us, the church ignoring justice. And I think we would want, therefore, to stand with Isaiah and take up this cry, Lord, restore a passion for those who are wounded and for those who are hurting, that we may not be those whose religion or faith is a glaze over a fundamentally self-centered life. That's the first snapshot. Here's the second. It's a picture of a culture Looking more broadly now, we're looking at a culture that is losing justice. And I think as you look at chapter 59 uh, in these moments uh, with me, you will immediately say, oh, that's us. Look at chapter 59 and verse 14, the second half of the verse. Chapter 59 and the second half of verse 14. Here's Isaiah speaking about the culture in which he was ministering. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and he says this, truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. They say, isn't that exactly where we are? In a postmodern culture where so many have bought into the idea that there is no such thing as objective truth, only opinion, only what's true for you or true for me, only truth the way we see it, but not what is ultimately true or what is ultimately false. Isaiah captures that truth has stumbled in the streets. Vast majority of people in our country do not believe in such a thing as objective truth. It's stumbled in the streets. Now, what happens when people lose their grasp of objective truth in a culture? Here's what happens when truth stumbles in the streets, justice falters in the courts. The one has to follow the other, 
as surely as night follows day. Look at um, what is said about justice in verse 4. No one calls for justice. No one pleads his case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments and speak lies. And following that theme through, look at verse 9. Justice is far from us. Verse 14, justice is driven back. Verse 15, the Lord looked. He's looking for justice, and he saw that there was no justice. A culture that is given over to selfishness and to greed, the courts become about winning. Legal cases become less about establishing what is true, but ultimately who can present the best story. And when that happens, you find yourself in a world of spin, where it's incredibly hard for ordinary people really to know what is true and what is right, or even for many people to know if such things exist at all. Now, truth, justice, and when these two go, there's one other that falls with it, life. Look at verse 3, your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. I cannot read that verse without painfully thinking of the loss of life taken, taken and lost through abortion. But Isaiah is speaking into a culture that we recognize, don't we? Truth stumbling in the streets. Courts increasingly about how you can spin a story and a massive cull of human life. So I think that we have to say that we identify as we open these scriptures with Isaiah's words about a culture that is losing justice, losing it. In other words, losing integrity and losing trustworthiness and losing truthfulness and losing doing right and losing loving neighbor as self and losing caring about the plight of others as if it were your own. You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Restore Justice, part of our series Restore My Soul. And while we have to pause right here, we'll continue on our next broadcast. I hope you make it a point to tune in. If you ever miss a program in the series, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org. There you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, that's at openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We do depend on your generosity to keep Pastor Collins' teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we'd like to offer you a book by Alistair Begg. It's called The Christian Manifesto. And Colin, who is this book for? Well, it's really for anyone who is concerned about the deepening cultural divisions and hostilities that seem to be engulfing us these days. And I would think that that would include any thoughtful Christian. It is a marvelous book that is just full of the kind of grace and the kind of wisdom that we need. You know, it seems like Christians are often trying to get a sense of, you know, whose side are we on? Which side are we on? And the the answer to that question is we're on the side of Jesus. And Alistair Begg has very wonderfully drawn out from Luke's account of the great sermon of Jesus 
the distinctive call of the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifesto that's given to us as his followers, which is unlike anything else that will ever be found anywhere in the world. I found it refreshing, stimulating. I found it full of hope and full of wisdom, full of encouragement. And I'm very grateful that we have the opportunity of making this book available this month. Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book, The Christian Manifesto, written by Alistair Begg, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can give online at openthebible.org or call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. That's openthebible.org or 1-877-673-6365. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. Open the Bible Weekend is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. When people begin to reject truth, it sets off a domino effect. Find out what's next to go. That's next time on Open the Bible Weekend.